Good morning, City Hill. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Janet and I have come down to be with Josh and Lexi and my three granddaughters, looking very much forward to a couple of days of just being crawled on by these beautiful girls and our family. But today my prayer is that faith would arise at City Hill. Uh, you're gonna hear some testimonies today, and as you hear what God has done in people's lives, my prayers that your response would be, God can do that in me as well. That's my prayer, that God would look at our church and find people of faith. So open your hearts to what God has for us this morning, and I'll see you next week. God bless. Good deal. Well, as Kent noted, Kent and Janet, they're out of town this weekend with family down in Tulsa, and we want to bless them in that. It's good to be able to take a break and be, be with our families over the holidays if we can. So this morning, we're going to do something just a little bit different, right? Like Kent said, uh, there's no sermon per se, but instead we're going to have Testimony Sunday. I have to admit, I was just a little bit concerned when I walked in this morning because three different people during the week asked me, so I hear that you're, I hear that you're preaching on Sunday. And I'm like, that's not the message that I got. That is not the message that I got. And I'm not preaching on Sunday. We're having testimony Sunday. And I'm just facilitating. The theme for this morning in our testimony time is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And that's the theme that you're going to hear. It's kind of woven in between these testimonies. Um, that we're going to uh, share this morning from a couple of or a number of different city hillers. But before we jump into that, I want to want to just recap um, just a little bit about 2020 and some of the things that we've been talking about here at church. And we've said that 2020, this is our year of freedom. It's been our theme this year at City Hill. 2020 was also our 50th anniversary celebration for the church. Remember our big celebration that we had over the summer in our 50th year? That's also, we've thought about that as our year of jubilee of sorts, our year of jubilee when all the debts are forgiven. And in recognition of that, um, there was two faith challenges that were laid out for us at the beginning of the year by Pastor Kent. And I just want to revisit those briefly this morning. So challenge number one, faith challenge number one was to look at retiring the church's long-term debt in this, our 50th year, our year of Jubilee at City Hill. And we've been walking out a 10-year plan for debt elimination at the church. We're six years into a 10-year plan, and our long-term debt has been reduced from $1.3 million back at the beginning to $464,000 as of last week. That's pretty cool, isn't it? We've made a lot of good progress on retiring that debt. And the second challenge that was put out there, we, may, we maybe haven't talked about this one quite as much this year, but the idea was to challenge us as individuals to retire our personal debts, car loans, credit cards, student loans, mortgages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the challenge that was put out there was to consider how God would provide to retire our personal debts or perhaps to rearrange our personal financial lives so that we would get on a path pointed towards being out of debt sooner rather than later. And, you know, when we look at these faith challenges like this, uh, we need to remember that it's God that's our provider. God is the one who's going to provide a way for, for us to do that. And we, think, we have to remember that God is Jehovah Jireh, and he will provide for us. And with everything that's transpired during 2020, whether it's political upheaval, racial tensions, economic upheaval, COVID, shutdowns, quarantines, lockdowns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's becoming even more important that we keep that at the forefront of our minds, that God is the one who provides with us. He is the one who provided, but Jehovah Jireh, it ultimately means God will provide. He is the one who will provide. And, you know, here's the thing. Do you guys remember what we talked about kind of back towards the beginning of the year? Um, the second coming of Christ, Matthew 24. There's going to be famines and earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and pestilences, pestilence that comes on the earth. You remember what, what, what Jesus taught us about those things? What, what would we call those things? Those are the 
Those are the birth pains. Those are merely the beginning of the birth pains. And for us to expect things to just kind of wind back to normal, I think it's not quite in line with Scripture. So the world's been shaking, and our foundations have been shaking, and I want to suggest we should expect those shakings to continue. We should expect them to continue, and I think they will continue. And even more and more, that should cause us to look to God as our provider, Jehovah Jireh. So this morning we have four testimonies from four city hillers that are connected to this theme. We like testimonies. They encourage us in our faith. They build our faith. And that's our goal this morning in sharing these testimonies. And frankly, it's just fun to hear from our brothers and sisters. We hear part of their faith story. We hear about God, how God has been faithful to them. And then it builds up faith and encourages us as well. So we're going to bring up Mr. Dan Crawl as testimony number one this morning. Dan is a mentor. He's a counselor to many. And Dan's been a good friend to me as well. And one thing that I've always appreciated about Dan is his desire for our faith to be real, to be incarnate to us. Right, Dan? It's not just enough to know a truth in our mind, but it needs to become real in our lives. It needs to be a truth that we experience as we walk with God day in and day out in our lives. So we're going to give it up for Dan. We're going to give you, we're going to give, we'll give you the microphone that doesn't work. <laughs> Test it out. Hello. We Hello. Good? We good? I think we're good. Okay. Morning. Um, my testimony, my story um, goes back actually a couple decades, but it's still very real and very alive to me today. Um, I was working for a company that um, the owner of the company didn't like the way we were headed and let the entire management team go. And I was part of that. Um, the president got let go, and along with me, I wasn't the president, but um, he, the president was a mentor to me, had, had really taught me a lot, and we got together after this happened, and we decided to start a new business. Um, we brought, I brought this business plan, I was an elder at that time in the church, and I brought the whole concept to the elders, and um, the plans were blessed, and they felt this was God, and so I moved ahead, and we started a business with the expectations of success. Most people don't start a business with the expectations of failure, but so we, we did what most people do, and um, we ended up two years, going two years without an income. And um, my family was still at home, five children plus Cindy and me. There's seven of us at that time all together. And we lost everything except our house. Um, and our house was being threatened with foreclosure before foreclosure was a common thing. But... Um, in that two years, God provided for us. Um, some of it was we rejoiced at his provision, and in many ways we were incredibly humbled by his provision. Um, we never went without food. We had clothes. We kept the utilities on somehow. Um, before they had programs that you have to keep, you know, you have to help work with people to keep utilities on in the wintertime, but ours stayed on. And, uh, and it, was, it was a tough time. And after two years, we shut down the business um, to get on with life. And even after that, it took me a while to find a job. But after that happened, God did something, and it's exactly what Brian talked about, Jehovah Jireh. Um, I don't know if you know where that is in the Bible, where that, that name of God was, was given for the first time, but it's 
the story of Abraham and Isaac. And Isaac, um, Abraham and Isaac are going up to the mountain, and Isaac says, we have the wood and we have the fire. Um, where's the lamb? And, and Abraham in Genesis 22 says, God will provide, that's Jehovah Jireh. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And as we know that story, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac and even had the knife posed um, to kill his, his son when the angel of the Lord stopped him. And there was a, a ram caught in the thicket and God did provide. And so what happened to me after that two years, and we were kind of on the, maybe just starting back on the road to recovery, God moved something from my head to my heart. And, um, and it was God will provide. God is my provision. And all of us have a lot of information in our heads. And we may know a Jehovah Jireh, God will provide, but he moved it from my head to my heart. And when that happens, it no longer is information. It's, it's not informational, it becomes transformational. And, um, and when that happens, you know, I have to count these, you know that 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 God is my provider. And there's no arguments, there's no discussion, um, because you know it in your heart. And, um, and that stayed with me. It's not the only thing that God has moved in my heart, but it was really the first time that that happened to me, and it, it absolutely transformed my life. And what I realized was that when God moves something from your head to your heart, it really is a pearl of great price. And, you know, this wasn't quite the way that Jesus did set, you know, set up the parable where the man found the pearl and then went back and and sold everything so that he could buy the pearl. But I paid a price for this pearl that God put in my heart. And had I known that I was walking down a path of what some people might call failure with the business, I maybe wouldn't have taken that path. I never went down expecting that, but I paid a price. I paid a price for a pearl that is of infinite value to me. And um, suffering is, you know, you suffer through those things. I mean, you just kind of question. And um, one of the things I read somewhere was that the saints of God would not trade their suffering for anything because it's suffering that draws us closer to the Lord. And I agree with that. So I learned so much. Um, I guess the rest of my story is from that point on, I got a job for a few years, then I started another business. I mean, how crazy is that? But God restored ultimately what was lost during that time and multiplied it. And I'm telling you that not because it's a formula to follow what I did, but it's my story. Thanks. Amen. Thank you, Dan, for sharing that word, sharing that testimony with us this morning. It's always fun to hear from our brothers and sisters. And next up this morning, we are going to hear from Barb Martinson. And I've had the pleasure of being in a morning prayer group with Barb since back kind of when quarantine started back in March, April, that time frame. And we pray for a lot of different things in the morning, but one specific topic that Barb consistently comes back to in our prayer times is paying off debt, and whether it's the debt of the church or the debt of individuals. So I know that she has a real heart and she has a real desire to see that happen for City Hill and for individual people. Um, Barb's been overseas as a missionary. She's never had a lot of material wealth herself, but she's been faithful with what God has given to her. So Barb is not able to be here in person this morning. She's rehabbing from surgery, but she did submit a video testimony for us, and I believe we're going to roll that right now. Hi, church. This is Barb. 
it's an awesome privilege just coming to you and just being able to share what God has done in my life for decades. And as I thought about what to share and when Kent asked me to talk about how God's provided, there have been so many miracles I can't even begin to talk about them. There have been several big ones, one may I may share here in a minute, but it's it's been my testimony that as I give first to God, I give my first fruits to God, I tithe to God, um, something has worked in my heart over the decades of trust that he's going to provide. I've given the top cream off whatever he's given me in terms of income back to him, and he has multiplied it more than I could ever ask or think. What, the, what remains is far more than if I'd given him the whole, if I hadn't given him anything. The net gain of tithing is phenomenal. I, I mean, Manoj could probably explain this better, and I love the Dave Ramsey course and how that's also helped me see what I can do to steward my money, but that first act of faith of tithing has prepared my heart for bigger and bigger challenges in life. You know, first you're a missionary and you're, you're willing to go out there and go to a country you've never been, be met by a Dutch volunteer, go to a, I think of going to the Bible college in Bethlehem and two days later driving the van around town and a month later giving tours of Bethlehem as a missionary. I mean, I'm a woman from America. Here I am giving tours of Bethlehem to tourists one month later. It just felt like home. God provided, it was a step of faith. I even turned in half my ticket because I thought I'd be there forever, my plane ticket. It has been, my testimony is that God has built up this ability to trust him for bigger and bigger things as I have kept this dependence on him through tithing. And there are probably people there watching right now thinking, oh, I just can't afford to tithe. I've got so many bills. I've got so many... Um, expenses, I want my kids to go to college, I don't know how I'm going to make my mortgage, I don't know where the food's coming from, I've lost my job in this pandemic. But my testimony is I don't know how I can afford not to tithe. That has been my experience. And I've also tried to give gifts over and above the tithe. And when I first came back to America after being in, uh, in the field for all that time, in 2005, I was just hungry for a home. I was, you know, I'd been on someone else's doorstep renting someone else's facility. You know, you, you, you put pictures on the walls and you think, oh man, I just, I'm afraid what the landlord's gonna say. So my heart's desire was a house and it's, I wasn't asking for a palace. I just wanted a little home of my own and for a woman, I think we want a nest. We want to provide a place where we can invite people. And three people have lived with me at different times since then. But I, I rolled into uh, Edina off the field. I just traveled and talked for my agency from Washington all the way across country and come into the Twin Cities. And I had found out just briefly of her phone call that my job was being eliminated and someone else was having to come home and take over the funding that we had available for a North American rep. And I remember being at Starbucks at the Galleria and crying out to God, what am I gonna do now? But I had a piece that kind of rolled over me and I went over across the hall and talked to the ladies at the Art Resources Gallery and they said, you should apply for a job here. I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I, went all home and I looked at this listing again and I called the realtor and I went and looked at the property on a Sunday. I have less than $2,000 to my name. But God has shown me that it's his calling, his provision that I seek after. Not worry about the details in a way. <laughs> Monday, I took friends. We looked at the house. They said, go for it. Tuesday, I got pre-approved for a mortgage. Wednesday, I wrote a little letter at Caribou Coffee on my little printer and computer, gave it to the realtor. Thursday, I was working at the Art Resources Gallery as a salesperson, and some 52 days later, $68,000 in gifts, unsolicited gifts, came in for that house. I'm still there. 
I praise God for his provision. Um, that we would just step out in faith and believe him for good things. And believe him that as we give first to him, he'll give back to us. Thank you. Sweet. Isn't that a cool testimony? $68,000 for a down payment on a house. So thank you, Barb. I assume that you're online with us this morning. Thanks for putting that video together. Thanks for sharing your testimony to encourage us this morning. I really like how Barb talks about the tithe in that video. She talks about it as the tithe is getting us ready to give more. It's getting us ready to give more. The tithe is not the end of giving, of giving but the beginning. It's the starting point. And it's a good reminder to do that consistently because it reminds us that God is the provider of everything. It reminds us that he's faithful. It reminds, it reminds us that he has provided and that he will provide going forward. So thank you, Barb. Our next testimony for this morning is from Mike Todrick. Mike, you can kind of make your way up here, but I had a chance to chat with Mike last week. And I hadn't heard much of Mike's testimony before, a couple pieces here and there, but I wanted to kind of call him, see, him, see how it would fit into the flow of the service this morning, and, and uh, I actually had a chance to hear a good chunk of his whole life story. And it was pretty cool. Mike's got a real powerful testimony of God's redemptive work in his life. And I'm glad that he's here to share um, just a little bit of that with us this morning. So take it away, Mike. morning. I won't need to be the, too loud, so. Um, this testimony goes back, it was early to mid-90s, um, uh, and I lived in uh, Watertown, Wisconsin, with my ex-wife and my two oldest children, and we were pretty poor, pretty stupid um, we didn't have much, was, was a, a real struggle all the time. Um, probably one of my worst memories was having my daughter lose $10 that she'd gotten as a birthday gift and not being able to replace it so that she could have it back. So, because I wouldn't have been able to get to work that week if I did. Um, We'd had a new pastor come in to the, the Assembly of God Church where we were going, and he, he flowed in like the gifts of words of wisdom and knowledge um, better than anyone I had ever and still have probably ever seen. Um, it, was, it was amazing to see how God flowed with him. So, and we had really just been challenged to really start giving faithfully and start giving on a regular basis. So we had begun to do that for probably most of the year. And then we had a situation arise where we had a choice. We could pay the phone bill or they would turn it off or pay our tithe that Sunday. And I haven't always made the right decision in that situation, but this time we just really felt a peace, and we said, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna pay our tithe. We're just gonna do it, and God will figure it out. So we did that morning, and then we had Sunday evening services, and we weren't gonna go to the Sunday evening service because we really didn't have enough gas to get to church that night. But we did, we went, we went back, we felt like we should go back. And our pastor was having a message on being a blessing. And he was talking about, you know, how sometimes it's more important to be a blessing than to receive a blessing. And sometimes that can be, you know, more important. And so toward the end of the, the message, he says, I want everybody to stand up. Everybody stand up and go into your wallet and pull out a dollar. If you don't have a dollar, pull out a five. If you don't have a five, pull out a ten. Pull out at least a dollar out of your wallet. Now, I know this sounds weird, but I still firmly believe it. To the best of my knowledge, I had no money in my wallet. But when I reached into my wallet and opened it, there was a dollar in there. 
So I held up my dollar with everybody else. And the, the pastor had one of the uh, youth in the, the church go, okay, now go and get all the money. Collect it all. Go grab it. Just start chasing him up and down the aisle. Come on, get that money. Get that. You're not going to be a good preacher if you can't grab money from people. Come on. And he goes through and, and had them collect all the money from all the people. And he brought it up, and the kid brought it up, and he had this huge wad of money. Huge wad of money. And he goes, wasn't that a blessing? Wasn't that a blessing to be able to do that? And he looked at me, and he said, here, you didn't have enough gas to get to church tonight. There was enough money to pay the phone bill, to fill the car up, and then we had enough money left over to bless another family that was hurting as well that were friends of ours. Now, I'd love to be able to say that I always remembered that lesson and I never forgot it ever again and, you know, but you're not supposed to lie in church, so I'm not going to tell you that. Um, but I think it is, I think it's funny that, you know, Jesus told the devil in the wilderness not to test the Lord your God. But there is one place that God does say, test me, and it's in tithes and giving. So, this year has been obviously a struggle for a lot of people. This year we've probably given more consistently than we have in actually a long time this year. And through that, we've made it through a 35% pay cut that I had for two months um, with about three weeks notice that it was coming. And we've been able to now put money into savings more than we've ever been able to just putting money into savings as a couple in our whole marriage. So God has found a way, and he will always, he will always come through on this. Um, I've gone, I've, you know, I've gone times when I haven't given regularly, and I've gone times when I have. And it's always better when you do. And it doesn't make sense to the natural mind and to a secular financial planner. This absolutely does not make sense. But it works. Every time, you can't outgive God. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken nor their children begging for bread. Sweet. Thanks, Mike, for sharing that uh, this morning with us. You know, one thing, Mike, I just want to clarify, you're not supposed to lie outside of church either. <laughs> Remember <laughs> But I like that testimony. You get the word of knowledge, active in the church, somebody with a faith to exercise it. And what I understand, that's just a real faith-building experience for you, Mike, and thank you for sharing that with us this morning. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And listen to what he says, And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. And that's the type of blessing we want to see in our church and in our lives, right? Amen. Amen. So we've got a fourth testimony for this morning. Manoj Morjani is going to come up. When we start talking about finances and personal finance, Manoj is kind of synonymous with this topic at, at City Hill. I appreciate his passion. I appreciate his heart for dealing with debt and personal finances. And he's going to share with us this morning. Good morning, guys. Last week, uh, Pastor Kent shared a verse that stood out to me, what I'm going to share today. It comes from Psalm 118.8. It says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in man. And boy, that was a lesson I had to learn. Um, some of you guys know I was born and raised in Hong Kong. 
And um, at a young age, money was a big part of our life. My parents struggle. My parents fought a lot over money, and eventually, at my age 10, they had a divorce. And I said that someday money's not going to be a problem for me. I'm going to be really focused and really good saving. I'm going to do everything I can so that someday when I grow up, I'll have freedom from that issue, and it won't be a problem. So I work as a business broker, and I'm a real estate investor in my day job. And um, I uh, look for different ways to make money in business. 2002, I met a couple guys that um, were money managers. And they said that, yeah, you can invest with us and we'll multiply your money. And so I started, I was a little bit nervous, but I started a little bit at a time and I started to invest with these guys. And I would start getting statements month after month of my money growing. And I was so excited to see that. So over the next few years, I started putting more and more of our family life savings with these two gentlemen and trusted them instead of trusting God. In 2008, Bernie Madoff was arrested for a Ponzi scheme that the whole world didn't know what a Ponzi scheme at the time was. After that, everybody knew what it was. Unfortunately, in 2009, 200 Ponzi schemes in the United States were revealed. And uh, my wife and I, our family, were in two of them, and we lost our life savings. It was a really, really tough time for us. Um, everything that we had saved and worked away for 10 years, 10 years of our life savings were stolen and taken away. And uh, I call out to God, and I said, why me? I really felt I had the Job experience, that, I, that we lost everything. And I said, God, why me? Why is it all happening? And it, it seems like some of the other guys shared today that it seems like when we're at the very bottom is when we come closest to God. I don't know why that is, but it happens all the time, you know? I wish it wasn't like that. But I, I had a big lesson to learn. We, depression, despair set in in my life. I had a, a deal with forgiveness because I hated these guys. Both my wife and I struggled with that, that they would do what we would never fathom, that someone would take your life savings, pretend to be investors, and steal it. Those two guys went to jail, but that didn't help us. The recession came, and we had uh, nothing to hold on to. Our trust was unfortunately there. I remember one Sunday coming to church. We're going to Life Church. Uh, Pastor Dale Sism came up to me and said, Manoj, I know what happened to you. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, do not stop trusting God and do not stop giving. Those are words that I never ever forgot. And it was easy to say than do because we had just about lost everything. During the time I was uh, um, simultaneously teaching Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University classes and uh, I remember that last lesson was the hardest for me. I got personal finance down. This is something I study. I'm kind of a math nerd. I enjoy finance. I do it for fun. Kind of weird. I know people don't like it. But saving, investing, budgeting, second nature to me. I got that down. Real estate, finances, college savings. The very last lesson was the hardest lesson for me to understand. Uh, Financial Peace University is a nine-week life-changing course on beating debt and building wealth God's way. The number ninth lesson is the great misunderstanding of money. And as I took that class, as I led that class, um, someone else shared that I had to learn about money, that it had to move what I knew from my head to my heart. I think Dan shared that too. That God had to speak to me and say, Manoj, you need to trust me with everything. It's not 90% yours and 10% mine. It's all mine. I had to trust God completely. And he said, I dare you to trust me. I dare you to trust me and you see what happens. And we had lost everything. I mean, like I was at the bottom. We didn't know what to do. But I remember doing that and saying, God, I need you. And I'm going to put you in control. And uh, I'm going to let you have your own way in my life. Um, soon as we started to do that, my heart, our life started to change. Our family started to come together and trust God more like than we've never done before. I remember one Sunday coming to church, we had just closed a, a big deal at, at our day job selling businesses, and I got a big commission check. And I know my wife, she was prompting me and encouraging me, you gotta write a tithe check. And this was a big check, and I was scared. And the bucket would come by, and I was trusting God. I said, God, this is your money, I'm gonna trust you, and I'm gonna do it. I'm not a natural tither, I'm a natural, not a natural uh, giver, 
But uh, this was a big challenge for me. And God says, just trust me and see what happens. You put the check in the offering. And I kid you not, guys, that Sunday went by. On Tuesday, I got a phone call. A lady called and said, hey, Manoj, you sold my husband's business 10 years ago. My boss has a $3 million company he wants you to come take a look at. So I would go and meet them, and I would get God's favor. And time and time again, as I trusted God with the tithe, and we learned that the first fruit is his, God's blessed us incredibly. The, heaven, the gates of heaven did open up, and we got flooded with his blessings. It was just crazy. It was amazing. My life has changed. We're so thankful. Um, we started um, blowing up our business. Um, we started breaking company records. And people was like, what is going on? Even my CPA saw that. And he was shocked. It was a testimony to my CPA. He never saw anybody crash and burn so much and then rebound so quickly. And I said, this is because it's God. It's not me. It's God. And other people in the office said, Manoj, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. God's taking over right now. I'm not that good. He's doing it all. I don't know what's happening. But what, like also what Mike shared earlier, it, it, it's just we're learning to live in God's economy, not ours. And the more I trusted God and the more I gave, the more secure I felt. It was so weird, you know? And like normal people think, yeah, no, no, you give $100, you're $100 poorer. But when I gave $100, I'd get $200 back. It was crazy. It was time and time again. And this is not a prosperity gospel or anything like that. I'm not talking about that. But I really learned um, that I needed to trust God completely with everything I have. And he's going to bless me and bless all of us incredibly. Um, we lost 10 years of our life savings with those Ponzi's when we trusted man. We trusted God that year, and he restored 10 years in one year. He brought back everything we lost. That's God. That's definitely not anybody else. That is the power of God and trusting him. God restores. He wants to give back to us. And he wants us just to trust him. There's a verse I want to share, Deuteronomy 15.10. It says, give generously to him. Give generously to them and do so without grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. The Lord will bless you in all your work and everything that you put your hand to. Um, we serve an amazing and generous God, and he just wants us to trust him, and he wants to bless us, bless us more than we can ever imagine. Thanks. So, Manoj, I hear that we're going to be... Uh having another session of Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey coming up pretty soon. Is that right? Yes, our fifth class, fifth time at City Hill Church. That's such a softball question. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Thank you for setting it up. Uh, Monday, February 8th, nine Mondays in a row. I would love for you guys to all sign up. If you've never done it, it's going to change your life. If you've done it, gone through the class before, come back and learn again. It's completely free for you. For new t newcomers, it's $130 for the kit, for the package, at all Dave Ramsey's materials. But if you have it, come back uh, nine Mondays in a row starting in uh, February 8th. Yeah, so just can you clarify one thing for us? Do you have to be under a mountain of debt in order to benefit from going through Financial Peace University? You don't. This is the fifth time at City Hill, my 11th time learning and teaching it. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. Um, and we are very blessed to be out of debt. Our house was paid for. We followed the program. We got financial peace. Um, the first eight lessons was the financial part. The ninth lesson, the great misunderstanding of giving and really trusting that it's 100% God's, that's peace. You get nine lessons, really learn what financial peace is about. So definitely not. Cool. Anything else you want to share about financial peace? February 8th, that's when it starts? I want to encourage you guys to come. Personal finance is like my ministry. And I, my dad and my mom struggle in money. My dad actually, um, in his mid-40s, lost everything, went bankrupt, and he um, got on welfare. From age 45 to 60, this proud man that was a businessman and had everything, crashed and burned and never recovered. From 45 all the way to 60 until his death, he lived a poor man, destitute for nothing. And I think that's something that stirred in my heart in my life is that I don't want to see my friends or family in that situation. And that's why that's my passion. I think God's gifted me in that area 
for personal finance, and, and I do this stuff for free. This is my ministry. I want to give back. So if any areas you guys have, the Bible talks about money more than any other topic. This is a really big deal. So I just really encourage you to take these, uh, take these nine Monday nights and commit to learning about God's way of handling money, and I know it's going to bless you incredibly. Yeah, Kristen and I are actually, oh, here's the other question. Is there going to be a team track in yes. February? I hope so. The last couple of times we had, we were so blessed, we had like 90 and 100 people in the class. Now, I don't know if we're going to be that big with COVID and everything. We really want to focus on this group, but we did have a separate um, teen, teen group. It was really good. So we watched Dave's video for one hour, and we split into small groups for 45 minutes, and we had our own teenage group, and it was great. It would be great if you... And Kristen can lead a group with us, too. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> also, your invitation to attend F Financial Peace University, your invitation from Manoj is coming because you will get an invitation, especially if you haven't been. Yeah, I'm, I'm in sales, so I'll come find all you. He will come and find you. He's not kidding. Our whole family went through it uh, summer of 2019. Um, I really, I like the way that Dave sets it up. He sets it up with baby steps. Baby steps one through eight, and then nine is at the end. And it's like, wherever you are in that journey, you can plug into the class, plug into the course. You know, we found ourselves, you know, fairly far down the list of baby steps, but we still were really encouraged. We were motivated, inspired to steward our finances uh, better, just to do a better job stewarding the resources uh, that God has put into our put into our laps, and um, Zachary and Tyler appreciated it. They both have their Roth RA set up. Manoj, oh, I'm so that. proud of him. And Dave Ramsey is so funny. You guys will never have so much fun learning about money than coming to this class. So, yeah, thank you very much. I'm excited to see you all. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thanks, Manoj. Well, bless God. We're going to have the worship team come back up. Um, God is our Jehovah Jireh. God has provided. God will provide. He is who he says that he is. He's faithful. He's true. And I just think that that name, it's one of the common names for God, Jehovah Jireh, and it speaks of who he is. He is our provider. So I want to give a a shout-out, a thanks to Dan and Barb, to Mike, and to Manoj for the four testimonies that they shared this morning. Can we give them one more hand as we get ready to wrap up this morning? But I hope that you were encouraged. I hope that your faith was challenged, um, that it was built up, and that you are ready to take another step of, of faith, another walk with God in your journey. Um, in the area of finances. Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And this is a proverb, so it's wisdom. It's not condemnation. It's not command either, but it is wisdom. And it's just a, a saying of how things, they generally are in life. And being out of debt, being released from debt, there is a real freedom. There's a real liberty uh, that can come from being debt-free. So one of my scriptures that goes along with the, uh, the Financial Peace University that I like is from Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 10, where he writes, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And, you know, we all have to start somewhere. Every journey starts with a step. Every journey towards being debt-free starts with something. Maybe it's coming to financial peace. Maybe it's getting together with Minoj or another one of us here at City Hill for some independent financial counsel. But if you're struggling with your finances, I want to encourage you to do something. Do something with it. The borrower is slave to the lender. There's real freedom and there's real liberty that comes from getting out of debt or getting our lives oriented on a path that can get us out of debt. So we have a few minutes. We're going to just, I want to end with a time of um, personal prayer. So take a minute right now. I want to invite you simply to take your personal, your family, financial life, take your financial situation and just hold it before the Lord today 
Just hold it before him and ask him for fresh conviction, ask him for fresh leading from the Holy Spirit, but just hold your personal finances before God and lay it before him. Ask what he has as a next step in your life in that area. Father, I pray that you would speak to us in that quiet place of our heart. God, in the area of money and finance. Lord, I pray that you'd do a work in each of us that we could take another step in trusting you. God, that we would know that we know that we know that you are Jehovah Jireh, that you are our provider. God, as the world shakes around us, I pray that we would become more peaceful, more free, more liberty would rise up in our lives. Father, we lay our bank accounts at your feet, our retirement plans at your feet, our debt. God, we lay it at your feet. Lord, and we just ask you for that fresh inspiration, God, that comes from the conviction of your Holy Spirit. I want to point out the cards that are sitting on the chairs in the worship center. You're free to take one of those and bring it home with you, but that is dealing with our corporate debt as a church. There's an invitation to pray and to consider how each of us might participate in eliminating that debt. We'll be talking more about that next week, but you're welcome to, to take one of those cards with you today. So I want to pray, I felt led to pray, pray for our students and young adults this morning, God, and I, I just want to lift up all of the students, God, the young adults that are part of our church family. Father, I pray that you would lead them into wise counsel in this area of their life, God, that they would be led into a place of freedom, into a place of liberty and not into bondage of debt, God. And I pray for all of those who are called and being sent off to college. God, it's so expensive to pay for school. And I just pray, God, that you would provide the finances for those who are seeking out higher education. Lord, that you would provide a way for them to go to school, to honor and glorify you in the academic world, and to get their degree and to graduate and to do it debt-free. God, we know you're a provider. You can do that. It seems like, oh, how is that going to happen? And God, I just pray that we put our trust and that we would follow you in that. Father, we don't want to be saddled with loads of debt just because we go off to school. Father, we want, we want our, our students to fulfill the calling that you have in their life and not be restricted and hindered by finances, God. So I pray for your provision, God, that you'd open up the floodgates of heaven and bless our students they're going to college to honor and glorify you. Father, I want to pray for our ministry partners, those in particular that are uh, raising up support. Father, I pray that you'd meet them in their time of testing of faith. God, I pray that your floodgates of heaven again would be open before them, God, as they talk to people, as they testify about what God has done, as they lay out their call of their life that you put on their hearts before others, Lord, that you would stir in our hearts to rise up and to walk with them, God, and support them. Father, thank you that we have so many in this church that are willing and ready to go 
And God, I pray that you would provide for them, that you would show yourself true as their Jehovah Jireh and their provider. God, I pray for all of us. Lord God, would you keep us free from materialism? Would you keep us free from the love of money? God, would you help us to have a right attitude about debt and about finances in our life? Matthew 6 says, No one can serve two masters, for either, he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And Father God, we want to live our lives in a way that's honoring and pleasing to you, God. Please keep us free from all of the things we can get entangled in in this country. We have so much so much. Keep us free, Lord, from, the, from materialism. I also, in closing, I want to pray for, just pray for our state in our nation. God, as the COVID pandemic escalates, God, we ask you for your mercy. God, we ask you that you would be with our leaders in government as they make plans, as they make decisions. Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom. Father God, I pray that you would protect our freedoms and liberties in the process of those decisions, Lord God. We pray for those that are working on a vaccine. Lord, that you would give them your insight and your revelation. Lord, I pray for your mercy in this world and in this nation with the COVID pandemic, God. I pray that you would heal people who are sick with it, God, that you would be with the healthcare workers that are putting their health and their lives on the line. God, we bless them this morning. Fill them up, Lord. Lead them. Be with them. Heal them. Strengthen them. Lord Jesus. I'm going to invite us to stand again together. We will close in a song of worship this morning.